to your seat, getting ready for today's message. A couple things. Uh, the first thing is Saturday, August the 28th. Say Saturday. August 28th. There you go. We are starting something new uh, for the men here at Vine Church. Family, we're doing a men's breakfast Saturday, August the 28th at 9 a.m. at Edgar's. Uh, so we'll let you know. I'll let you know as we get closer to that. We'll send it out in the emails, and we'll have it all that and all, you know, stuff. Edgar's is so manly. Yeah. Hey, I, I like Edgar's, you know, whether it's manly or not. I don't know, but it's a good place. And, uh, yeah, food's good. Coffee's good. They got plenty of room. That's the main thing. They got room. Got big tables. So we'll do that on August 28th, uh, 9 a.m. We're going to do once a month men's breakfast. So I'm excited about that, starting that this month. Uh, also, here in Trustville, we have a lot of students starting school back this Wednesday. Uh, is the first day of school. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, a couple more announcements about projects around the church. We've talked with the company who painted everything, and so we're getting the cross up on the front of the church very soon. Uh, it's all ordered. We're just waiting for it to come in, and then we're going to be redoing the back uh, yard here, uh, hopefully in time to do a couple tailgate fun events during football season this year. We're going to have a fence and a big concrete pad and a basketball hoop and stuff out back. It's going to be a lot of fun with furniture, fire pit, all kinds of cool stuff. So we're hoping to have that ready at least by, you know, October-ish so we can do a few of the tailgate, you know, kind of fun hangouts before uh, high school football games over there. And also, if you are new to our church family uh, or even new to Trustville, if you want to come to a high school football game, you can park over there at the high school stadium for $5, or you can park for free in our parking lot. So uh, you can tell your friends. We open it up. It's free. You can park in the parking lot before, ba- uh, before basketball. Before football games start, I mean, I guess you could park here for basketball too, but it's a much longer walk. Uh, so I wouldn't suggest it, but it is possible. So uh, before we jump into the message today, uh, we're just going to have a little time of prayer. Uh, there's a few people in our church family who are sick, uh, who've been sick this week. So we're going to pray for those in our family who are sick. I know a few of them told me they're joining online because they were sick today. Also, we're going to pray for our teachers and our students that are starting school back this week. Uh, Our teachers in Clay, as well as those in Trustville, and then all of our students starting back as well. So if you just join me in a, a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you are a healer. God, we know that all throughout your word, you uh, miraculously healed people. Jesus, when you walked this earth, you healed people. We know sometimes that your healing is instant, and we know sometimes that it is progressive. Well, we just pray right now this morning for those in our church family that are under the weather. God, those that are feeling sick, those that are home, uh, God, that are, uh, have kids that are sick, that have spouses. God, we just pray that you would come around them, you would comfort them, and we pray that you would heal everyone who's not feeling well this morning. God, we pray that you would just come into their homes right now and that you would take that sickness away. God, I pray that any fear or apprehension around that sickness would leave and they would know that you are with them, comforting them right now. God, we pray for all of our teachers, all of our administrators that are going to be uh, teaching our kids in Trustville, Clay, Penson, Moody, Leeds, Birmingham. God, that's starting back this week. God, we pray that you give our teachers and our administrators wisdom. God, we pray that you would give them wisdom on uh, on which decisions to make and, to, and how to uh, conduct this school year. God, we pray that you would give them a renewed energy and a renewed strength, God, to impart uh, knowledge into the kids of this city and this community. God, we pray for every single student, uh, K-4, K-5, all the way through seniors in high school. God, we pray that you would uh, bless them as they enter in the school year. They would not be nervous or afraid. God, that they would be excited to go and to learn and to grow in knowledge. God, I pray that you would just be with uh, 
all of our bus drivers, God, all of our coaches. God, I pray you'd be with everyone in this community and in this city who is a part of the school system. We pray that this week, God, would, would just be a great kickoff to a good school year. God, we pray for every parent that has a child attending school this year. God, we pray for those parents who are excited to get their kids back into school, that you would help them during this time. Those that are, don't want their kids to go back to school, that you give them, you know, peace that it's time. God, I pray that you would just be with us all this week. God, I pray for those who homeschool. God, as they're starting back and getting their uh, curriculum together, I pray for the parents and the children of homeschool families. God, that I pray that this would be a, a wonderful, amazing year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I want to say thank you to, uh, I know Chase isn't here this morning, but thank you to Chase for taking over the reins last week as I was on vacation. Uh, I got to watch it online, and I'm super excited today because my dad is back with us, and so my dad's going to be preaching today, and then I'm pumped next week to continue our Sermon on the Mount series that I started two weeks ago. This is the first time in the history of Vine Church I have not preached two weeks in a row. So uh, I'm so glad that my dad is here because I'd be really ner- just, you know, ready to go, but it's my dad. It's like, oh, my dad's, all- I can't wait to hear my dad speak. So uh, would you invite my dad, Greg Headley, up this morning? Thank you, Pastor Nathan. It's an honor to be back with you. Joy and I are so glad that we are here today getting ready. You guys are getting ready for school to start. And uh, we are in a, a quick transition from a, a conference that we were in that we have every couple of years uh, down in Orlando. And, and so we were able to stop in. And so Nathan's given me the privilege of being able to share God's word with you here this morning. Uh, to those that are watching online, uh, thank you for joining with us. I want to give a shout out to two of your most faithful online listeners. They listen every single week to Vine Church, Lamar and Jimmy Headley, my mom and dad, Nathan's grandparents. Uh, And in fact, I almost feel guilty at times if I haven't listened yet because, Dad, that was a really good message that Nathan preached uh, Sunday. So he is always complimenting his grandson. Joy and I, there's an axiom that that we have shared for for a number of years with our church family and and still are sharing in a variety of contexts, and I want to share it with you this morning, Uh, and I'm going to try to do it with the microphone. Uh, Actually, I'm going to set the microphone down just for a brief moment, and I want you to do this with me. Get your hands out like this, and uh, here's the axiom. When fear goes up, faith goes down. When faith goes up, fear goes down. All right, say that with me. When fear goes up, faith goes down. But when faith goes up, fear goes down. I don't know if there's anyone in the room that's ever read any of the writings by Frank Peretti. He, he started writing back in the late 80s, and I was reading his first book, This Present Darkness. And uh, he depicts spiritual warfare in such graphic terms that, that you can just see the angels and demons fighting. And it's a, a powerful book. And, and yet, the problem was, I happened to be reading that book 
while I had boarded a flight, and I loved to fly. I'd been flying on missions trips for ever since I was 15 years old, and I'm in my mid-30s now, and I'm getting ready to take a trip going into the South Pacific to the island of Fiji. We're going to be teaching island pastors from all over the South Pacific. I am pumped. I'm excited. And we board the plane in San Francisco, California, and as the plane is ascending, I can see these storm clouds that we're headed toward, and it wasn't too long. I'm reading this book and uh, about angels and demons and this community that they're fighting over and all of this. And all of a sudden, we go into the storm clouds. It's thundering. It's lightning and turbulence. I mean, real turbulence. I mean, that plane is shaking. And I'm all of a sudden looking out, and there's angels and demons right out there on that wing trying to fight it out. And I'm not sure which one's going to win or whether we're going to make it to our destination or that plane's going to plunge into the South Pacific. And for the first time in my life on an airplane, guess what started going up? Fear. Fear started going up and faith started going down. Now that transition when, number one, I put the book down. Uh, I said, I'm going to read this book later. Uh, and number two, I began to pray. And then I started singing a song, Peace, Peace, Wonderful Peace. Uh, and as I sang that song and as I, I prayed, then guess what? All of a sudden, faith started to arise and fear started to diminish. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13 or your devices. I want to talk to you this morning about uncommon faith. Uncommon faith. And it, uh, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time here just uh, telling the story out of Numbers 13 and 14. I, I won't read every verse, but I'll highlight several verses as we go along the way. And it begins with the Lord. This chapter actually is initiated by a conversation God has with Moses. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, God is telling Moses to do this. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I... Here's a key phrase, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Not which I might give or I was thinking about giving, not sure yet till they go in. No, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So 12 guys go in to spy out the land. And Joshua, excuse me, Moses is giving them the guidance of what they're to do. And here's what Moses says to them. Verse 18, I want you to go. Check the land, see what it's like. Tell me about the people that are living there, whether they're strong or weak, and uh, whether they're few or many. I want you to tell me about the cities that are inhabited. Are they like camps? Are you know, they living in tents like we are? Are they living in walled cities with strongholds? I want to know whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not. And then he gives them this statement. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And so they go into the land, and wow, man, it was amazing. In fact, they found fruit in the land, and it took two guys to bring back just the grape cluster uh, that was on the vine in that land. And so they're reporting on this wonderful land that they had gone to. And they, verse 27, uh, they said, This land truly flows like with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, from that point forward, this goes like sort of a good news, bad news story. And you've heard the, uh, probably the story of the, the Chinese farmers that were talking with one another. And, and the one farmer says to the other, says, how's life been treating you? And the other farmer said, well, not too bad. But last week, one of my horses escaped. And he said, oh, that, that is bad. 
And, and he said, no, no, actually it was good. Because he came back and he brought another horse with him. I said, oh, that's really good. Now you got two horses. He said, no, that wasn't good because that horse was still wild. And when my son tried to ride him, he threw him and he broke his leg. He said, oh, man, that's terrible. He said, oh, no, not really. He said, because the warlord came through here the other day and he was going to make my son join his army. But since he had a broken leg, he got to stay home. He said, oh, that's great. And, you know, the story keeps on going. Well, to some degree, this story is sort of like good news, bad news. I mean, the good news is this is an incredible land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It has all of this wonderful fruit in the land. Verse 28 begins with this word, nevertheless. Oh, oh this is a good land, but uh, nevertheless. I mean, here, here's Jacob over here, and he's saying, Elizabeth, man, are you hearing this about the land? Let's pack up the tent. Happy days are here again. We're going to the promised land. But then they hear the words, nevertheless. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, who are giants, living there. Okay, Elizabeth, let's hold off a minute. Maybe we don't pack the tent up right yet. And, uh, and, and so they're telling about the negative challenges in the land. But in verse 30, there's good news. And this comes from a faith-filled man by the name of Caleb. And, and Caleb quieted the people, and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. It's good news. God's giving us this land. But bad news, here's what the other group says. Wait a minute. We're not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we are. And then in verse 32, it really turns when it says this. It says, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Now, here's Caleb. He's a man of courage and a man of faith, and he says, let's take the land the Lord is giving us. And you would think that everyone else would realize, yes, I mean, God just not too long ago performed ten plagues that got us out of Egypt following 400 years of slavery. And, and God parted, and we saw it, the Red Sea. And we walked across on dry ground, and then God destroyed our enemies after we got on the other side. Then after we ended up out here in the wilderness and we didn't have any water to drink, God brought water out of a rock to provide nourishment for all of us. And then he gives us manna every morning. He's even sent us quail. I used to love hunt quail with my granddaddy uh, down in Chilton County. That was one of my, anyway, I'm getting distracted. Uh, he gave us quail to, to eat. I mean, look at what God has done. There's a pillar of fire every night that keeps us warm here in the desert from the night cold. There's a pillar of cloud every day that protects us 
from the hot rays of the sun while we're out in the desert. And then when that cloud begins to move, we know that God is leading us to our next place. I mean, you would think after all of that that even the pessimist would be convinced. But no, they still doubted the power of God. And from this point forward, this report is no longer unanimous. There's a split in the Israelite Promised Land Committee. Ten to two. The majority report, as we just read, says this land devours its inhabitants. We're like grasshoppers in, in light of the giants that are in this land. And then when you get to chapter 14, it says... All the congregation followed the majority report. They lifted up their voices and they cried and they wept. And then the children of Israel complained. And then they said, why has the Lord brought us out here in the wilderness to fall by the sword? And I want you to listen to these words because it's going to become very relevant in a little bit. That our wives and our children should become victims. Now I get that. As, as a husband, I want to make sure that my wife and my children and my grandchildren are protected. And they were concerned that their wives and their children would become victims. Would it not be better if we didn't return to Egypt? Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. By this point, Jacob saying, Elizabeth, we're not going, period. Don't pack anything. In fact, if we're going to pack, we're going to pack and go back. We're not going to go forward and you know isn't it amazing how sometimes how short our memories can be <laughs> of what God's done in our lives and what God's brought us out of for these folks they had 400 years of slavery in their history they had not too long ago been complaining about having to make bricks without straw now they find themselves in the wilderness and they're afraid to go forward maybe it's better to go back to Egypt here they were ready to give up their freedom and become slaves again because of the obstacles that were in front of them. What had happened was as fear went up, faith went down. But there were two men, the minority report, two guys of uncommon faith. And we read in chapter 14, verse 6, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And it's at this point that, that the congregation, they listened to these two faithful men and, and they came to their senses and they repented and they said, oh, Moses, we're sorry. We should have believed you. We should have believed God. We're ready to go into the promised land. We're ready to, to do what God has for us. His destiny lies before us. We're, we're people of faith now. Let's go. Well, not exactly. In fact, the opposite happened. It said in verse 10, and all the congregations said to stone them with stones. Now, this was a rough crowd. 
they were ready to, to stone Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron. And the glory of the Lord came upon these faith-filled men and protected them. And fortunately for Israel, this was a watershed moment. They could go forward into the destiny that God had prepared for them, that it, God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, to all of them. Or they could give in to fear. I'm thankful that there were two men by the name of Joshua and Caleb that teach us how important it is to have eyes of faith. As Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, Joshua and Caleb, they didn't ignore the problems. They didn't try to gloss over the problems. But they look beyond the problems to the problem solver. They look beyond the challenges to find solutions. And I'm just going to take a little quick side trip here for a minute. One of the best ways for any of us to get ahead in business, in school, on a ball team, whatever group we're a part of, is not to become the problem identifier, but to be the problem solver. Anybody can identify problems. That's easy. But it's those who find potential solutions to problems that make themselves more valuable to whoever it is, the, the school they're working for, the company that they're a part of. But the ones that make themselves the most valuable are those who become the solution to the problem. They don't just identify a solution. They become the solution. At the Lighthouse, God put something in my heart. We, we, we were church. We'd been in existence for 47 years when I became the pastor. So uh, we'd been around a while. We were a healthy church, a lot of good things going on. But we really weren't having an impact in our community. We really weren't winning people to Christ as, as we should. And I just felt convicted about that. And at that particular point in time, the Lord put something in my heart that we needed a bus ministry to reach out to the uh, children in our neighborhoods. And, and I'm, I'm sharing that with the staff. And there was a gentleman that came to me. And now this particular guy, he had worked at uh, the auto plant, at GM's auto plant in Arlington, had gotten laid off. And he was now overseeing our church facilities uh, we had a school, so it took a lot to oversee our facilities, and that's his job. So he comes up to me, and he said, Pastor Greg, he said, I know that you're going to start this bus ministry, and, and you, I know you need a leader for it, and I know who the leader's supposed to be. I'm thinking, you do? He said, yeah, me. And I'm thinking, I didn't say this out loud. Uh, but in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way. You, you haven't been to Bible school. You have never been a part of a bus ministry. I need somebody that knows what they're doing. But he was offering himself to be the answer to the problem. And as I prayed about it, it became evident that the Holy Spirit was saying, he's the guy. Now, that was in 1988. This is 2021. And Clay Wallace, who started our bus ministry, is still leading an inner city ministry that reaches several thousand children every single week. He had became the solution to the problem. I had started a ministry uh, for men to gather with me every Sunday morning to pray. 
And uh, so the men would come, and I would lead the prayer meeting, and, and then I would go and teach class, and then I would preach. And so I had multiple things, and there was a gentleman that came to me, and his name was Carl Cathy, and he said, Pastor Greg, if you'd like me to, I'll be glad to take care of contacting the men and, and leading the men every Sunday morning so that you can just show up for prayer. And I thought, whoa, this is pretty good. For 22 years, Carl Cathy showed up every Sunday morning early. Every now and then, it was just me and him. Most of the times, it was about half a dozen or a dozen men that gathered. And for 22 years, my armor bearer in prayer, my Aaron, my her, lifted up my arms. And even though I'm in a new role now, Carl Cathy prays for me every single day. There's a man and his wife uh, came to our church, and, and they had come from a, a very challenging, difficult background in their own lives. They had never been to a, a really a Protestant evangelical church, certainly not a spirit-filled church like ours. And yet, man, God just did an incredible work. They got saved. Their kids started getting saved. And, uh, but they had a lot of baggage that they brought with them. I mean, from the clubbing lifestyle to lots of unfaithfulness between the two of them, sexual addiction, and so on and so forth. And and uh, as he's growing in his faith, he comes and says, Pastor, I am growing. I know what God wants me to do, but I am really struggling. I need some help. And so I knew about a, another church in our area that had a men's support group that met every single Monday night. And I said, Martin, I really think if you'll go there, I trust those folks. Uh, they're a sister church, and they've got a great support group for men. So he went there every Monday night for a year. And toward the end of that year, end of the year, he came to me and said, Pastor, I think we need this at our church. I said, well, Martin, I know that, that would be pretty good, but this is pretty intense and it requires somebody that's trained. And he said, well, Pastor, I've already talked to the leader over there, and I know the training that they go through, and I'm willing to go through that training. And he said he'll mentor me for a second year. So for a second full year, every single Monday night. Now, he also went to all of the trainings that that particular ministry had, but every single Monday night he was there and he was getting mentored. And for the last several years, of my ministry at Gospel Lighthouse, Martin, at our church, every single Monday night, had a group of men, either from our church and many of them from surrounding churches in our community that came. And then his wife started a support group for, for women. Was the problem? Yes. But I am grateful for people that not only see the problem, but find some solutions, and especially for those who say, I will be the solution. And we have that in Joshua and Caleb right here. So, in light of what we've read, I want to ask you three questions this morning. First question is, what do you see? Second question is, who are you following? Third question is, where are you going? Question number one, what do you see? Do you have eyes of fear or eyes of faith? In this context, do you see the giants that are in our world today? Or do you look beyond the giants and do you see God? Now, unfortunately, sometimes the majority is not right. <laughs> and that's the case in this particular story. Because in this particular story, the majority report they saw through the eyes of fear. They saw the problems instead of the promise. In verse 2, it says, Send them to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to them. The land which I am giving. And 
then in verse 28, we saw that word that I mentioned to you, nevertheless. God was going to give them the land, but they heard the nevertheless. They saw through the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith. They saw the giants instead of the grapes. Here's a land that flows with milk and honey. Everybody, that, everybody was in agreement on that. There, there's these wonderful grapes that are in the land. But there are giants in the land. And in comparison, we're nothing but grasshoppers. Now, I, I want to be honest with you today. There are a lot of giants in our land, in our culture, in our society. There are giants out to destroy our families. Giants of abuse, abandonment, adultery. Many oftentimes leading to divorce. Giants that want to enslave us. Giants of greed and lust and immorality. The, the, I, I mentioned Martin and Cynthia. They had some strongholds, some giant strongholds in their life. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling. There are giants out there that want to capture our way of thinking that we're nothing more than a product of chance, that there is, not a, there is no God, there's atheism. There are a lot of politically correct giants out there that resist what God's word has to say and, and people of faith. I understand there are giants in the land, but I want us to listen to the minority report because in the minority report, they saw through the eyes of faith. They saw victory instead of defeat. What did Caleb say? We are well, oh, we should be on to the next part, I think. Keep going. That's the majority report. All right, go to the next one. The minority report. Here we go. They saw victory instead of defeat. Here's the statement that, that Caleb said. We are well able to overcome it. Now, why would he say we are well able to overcome it? They are bigger. They are stronger. They're more numerous than we are. Only one reason. Because he had eyes of faith. He had confidence in the Lord. You see, they saw the God of the grapes instead of the giants. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I, I've another axiom that I've said many times through the years. Anytime I walk into the place of worship, place of study of God's word, one of two things is true. I either bring in big problems and a small God, or I bring in a big God who is able to help me to overcome every problem that I face in life. You see, people of uncommon faith really do believe what God's Word says. They believe when the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? They believe that if God be for us, who can be against us? They believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. They believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I know the context of that is under contentment. Pastor Nathan preached on that not too long ago. People of uncommon faith hold on to the promises of God. You know what he's promised us? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's promised us 
and I don't always get this, I, I, but I believe it. Even when I don't get it, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. God will supply all our need according to His riches in glory. As Paul said, excuse me, as God said to Paul when he was in a dilemma, he was praying for something to go away, it didn't go away, and even though his prayer wasn't answered the way he prayed it, God said, Paul, here's what I want you to know, my grace is sufficient for you. People of uncommon faith hold on to the Word of God. You know, as a father and as a grandfather, I can get overwhelmed, quite frankly, right now with the giants that my children and my grandchildren are facing and will face unless we have a spiritual awakening in our nation. As a spiritual leader, I realize that all of the challenges that our millennials and Gen Z are facing, the avalanche of change that has been occurring in our nation, in our world, it would be real easy for me to look through the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith. But I want to remind you of what I read earlier, then I want to share something God said to Joshua through Moses a little later. Remember, here's their concern. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. But when you turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 1, God is speaking to Moses. And here's what he says to Moses that he needs to share with Joshua, the next leader. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. And I think I have that verse, uh, if we can pull it up. Maybe I have it, because I want you to see this. Yeah, here we go. Joshua, the son of Nun, this is, remember, this is one of the guys with uncommon faith, who stands before you, stands before Moses, he shall go in there, encourage him, for he shall call Israel to inherit it. I want to be an encourager to the next generation. I want to be an encourager to my children, my grandchildren, my spiritual children. Moreover, your little ones and your children, notice, who you say will be victims. That was your perspective. Who today have no knowledge of good and evil. They shall go in there to them. I will give it and they shall possess it. I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm standing with others in agreement that America is not lost to the things of God. Oh, I'm not living in a hole. I don't have my head buried in the sand. I've read the statistics that tell us that after COVID, they're, they're saying that 20% of the people that were a part of the church have left the church for good during this season of COVID. I understand those statistics. I'm not ignoring those, but I am not going to see things through the eyes of fear. I believe through the eyes of faith that even in the midst of our most trying season of my lifetime, that God hasn't abdicated His throne, that God hasn't given up on my family or upon your family, upon our nation, and that God has a destiny and God has a plan. And I'm just daring to believe that that plan and that destiny is going to be fulfilled through my grandchildren and my
my great-grandchildren that God is going to raise up some Joshua's and some Caleb's that are going to lead us into a great awakening in our country. What do you see? I know my time's about up, so let me get to those final two questions. Who are you following? Question number two. Yes, I'm asking, who are you following on Facebook? Who are you following on Instagram? Who are you following on Twitter? Whose blogs are you reading? Because they're either going to be building your faith or tearing it down. But in the context of this story, here's my question. Are you following the mob or Moses? (laughs) Here's the mob. And you can find them on Facebook today. All right? They're, they're, They're right here, chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. There's a lot of people out there just discouraged. Nothing but negativity. And in verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained. They're criticizing all along the way. And in fact, they, and by the time they get to verse 3, it's not about man. It's, it's, it's transferred to God. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? They're questioning God's plan, questioning God's care. And they end up with a rebellious spirit. Here's the frustrating thing. They're within sight of their goal. They're right at the edge of the promised land. And and they give up. But I love Joshua and Caleb. What is is their response? Caleb, let's go up. Let's take possession. We're well able to overcome it. Joshua and Caleb stand before the people in chapter 14. The land is good. The Lord delights in us. He's giving us this land. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the culture. Don't fear people. Don't fear COVID. Don't fear the government. Don't fear all of the pressures of society today. The Lord is with us, and that is key to the whole matter. If God be for us, who can be against us? In fact, Vine Church, I want to say to you that... God has a destiny for, for this congregation. Sometimes, you know, we sort of, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It seems like every time you turn a corner, there's a church. And, and there's lots of churches here in, in Birmingham and Trustville area. And we can sometimes think because there's so many churches, that means everybody is churched. Do you realize that even in the buckle of the Bible Belt right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's it's true here as well, over 50%, probably over 60% of the people that live and work around you and me don't worship the Lord anywhere on a regular basis. We've got a harvest field out there. And what that passage that is birthed for this church I'm the vine, you're the branches. Oh, I like that. He's the vine, I'm the branch. That means he's got a hold on me. But then you know what he goes on to say in that passage? I want you to bear fruit. I want you to bear more fruit. And I want you to bear much fruit. And the greatest fruit we bear is people that don't know Christ coming to know Christ. Third question. Where are you going? What do you see? Who are you following? Where are you going? In their case, many of them went back to the wilderness. But those who had faith made it to the promised land. 
I don't know about you, but I want to make it to the promised land. I, I, want, I want to live life in a way that's honoring to God, pleases him, and ultimately advances his kingdom. And yes, where am I going? One day, I, by God's grace, I'm going to leave this world, and we all are. The Bible says it's pointed at a man wants to die. And man, if there's ever been a time in my life that I've become more aware of my own mortality, it's this season. Uh, in light of the people that I've pastored and the, the ministers that I have the privilege of serve, I, I've seen too many close people that have not survived this past year. And it's made me aware that I need to keep in front of me where I'm ultimately going. This world is not my home. Ultimately, my home is in heaven. Are you living for the world? Are you living for Jesus? Let me ask you that one again. Are you live, or maybe are you living for yourself? <laughs> are you living for Jesus? We sang earlier about the overwhelming love of God. I love that song because it reminds me of what he did. He lived for us. No, he did even more than that. He died for us. He died for us so that we could know his love, so that we could experience his grace. The Bible says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses, <laughs> when we weren't returning that love, in fact, when we were almost enemies of that love, he still loved us so that he could raise us up together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And I'm thankful today for the grace of God and for the love of God. And I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. You know, when I got on that plane in San Francisco, if you had asked me, do you, do you have any fear of flying? My answer would have been, oh, no, I've flown many times. I, I, I look at flying as an adventure. But all of a sudden, in just a matter of less than an hour, circumstances changed such that I had a profound fear of something that I hadn't been fearful before. And I think that's happened a lot over the last few months. There have been times that we've faced one challenge after another and just walked through it in faith, but the seemingly relentless, ongoing challenge of COVID and political unrest and racial disturbance and riots and, you know, I could go on. All of those things, even some good, strong people of faith have wavered a little bit. And so I just, not in, a, in any form to, to, to condemn because, my goodness, I remember when Joy and I were battling COVID and I didn't end up in the hospital and I'm grateful for that. That, that spirit of fear was just when I was having some breathing issues. You know, that just grabbing hold of my heart. I had to battle through that. 
through prayer and worship and the Word of God. So I just, I just want to ask before we go into a, a moment of worship and then Pastor Nathan comes, if there's something in your life, say, you know, fear's been going up and faith's been going down, and I, I want to, by God's grace, today begin to change that pendulum where faith starts growing in my life. And it may be a specific area. It may be about your job. It may have nothing to do with anything I've mentioned. It may have nothing to do with what's going on in society. It may have to be with what's going on in your family. But there's just a, a need in your heart for faith to arise. Would you just lift your hand right now? I want to just bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, why don't all of us right now just lift our hand before the Lord as I pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, I lift my hands with several today. And I lift my hands with them because I've needed somebody to lift my hands in prayer over this past year. And I'm grateful for the times that I've been sitting in a, a setting where your word came forth, where Someone ministered, and, and I knew it was for me. And you, you gave me a verse, you gave me a word, and I knew it was because you loved me and wanted to, to raise my faith level. And so today, I just stand in agreement with those who have had something that has caused fear to rise and faith to diminish in the name of Jesus today. I proclaim that faith is going to rise in their heart. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And in your word today, you give us your word to encourage our faith. And through Joshua and Caleb, my faith is encouraged. And I just release encouragement into the hearts of your sons and your daughters here today. Lord Jesus, whatever that issue is, whatever that challenge is, whatever that giant may be, in their life. I thank you that you are greater than every giant. Your grace is sufficient for every challenge in our life. Your miracle working power is available to us today. And I thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' precious name. And as we sing this song that focuses our attention not on our problems, not on our needs, not even on our faith, but no, it focuses our attention on His realizing that we had a problem and He became the solution to the problem. <laughs> our greatest problem was sin. And so God sent a Savior. The sentence was death. And so He died in our place. That's the overwhelming love of God. Let's keep that in mind as we sing this song.